Join the adventure in Teneris from Dragory Games, creators of the award-winning Arena Miniatures Battle Game. Teneris is a high fantasy campaign setting for the world's greatest role-playing game. Join the thousands that have dared answer the call to battle. Teneris powers your Dungeons and Dragons games, including new species, four new classes, spells, magical items, archetypes for each of the original classes, and much, much more. So come, forge your team, and march into war. Find Teneris on all social media at Dragory Games and at DragoryGames.com. Brought to you by the power of the internet and fueled by imagination, this is Game Night Heroes. Toss dice and tell stories. The deeds of heroes await, and legends dare to be heard. This is Game Night Heroes. Hello, and welcome to the Game Night Heroes. We are the Game Night Heroes, and you can be too. Today we are starting an exciting new adventure in the world of Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. Tanaris a new campaign setting from Dragori Games. For those of you who might not know, this game recently came out on Kickstarter and blew away all expectations, and we are honored to be chosen to be the first podcast group to showcase it for the world. So, here we are. We are going to tell a collaborative story, my friends and I, and we are going to do so where the outcome of said story will be determined by our dice rolling. Before we begin, however, we want to take a moment for those who might not know who we are, to say who we are and what we're all about. Let's introduce my fine fellow players. Take it away, guys. Hey, everybody. My name's Rob. Uh, I love playing tabletop games. Super stoked to be here. The Tenaris game looked awesome looking at the Kickstarter. I'm really happy that we got chosen to be able to play this. Also love that we get to play with a new person. I'm really excited to play with him. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to get going into it. Well, hey everyone, my name's Nate, tabletop role player for many years, and my first podcast, so that's pretty exciting. Oh yeah, well welcome, welcome. Yeah, yeah, thanks for inviting me, I really appreciate it. I'm really excited for this game too, because we've seen a lot of 5th edition product over the life of 5th edition the last few years, and this one really does stand out from the crowd. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's got some great races, some great new classes, new spells. Just based on what they've given away for free so far, I think it speaks well of what's to come in the full products. Really pleased that we get to be the official podcast for Tenaris and looking forward to seeing where this game goes. Absolutely. Yeah, it is super exciting. The setting is absolutely amazing. They have a group of powerhouses that are working with this thing, and it definitely shows. A lot of skill and effort went into this, and it's going to be amazing. Well, you are welcome, Nate. Thank you for joining us. Mm Mm-hmm. And I am Brittany, and I am a regular on this podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I am very excited to play this new game tonight and this new adventure. I got nothing else. That's fine. 
<laughs> no pressure at all. I know Nate and Rob just raised the bar for everybody, myself included. I know. I'm still functioning. Like, I did a bunch of concerts last week, and my brain capacity is still only about 30% from recovering from <laughs> sleep deprivation. So <laughs> that's it. And I'm Colleen. Least amount of gaming experience, but not least of all. I'm excited to play. Yep. A little bit nervous because this is the most complex character I've ever played. <laughs> That's right. You're in good hands. We are going to get through this together. My name is Kevin. I'm the host of the Game Night Heroes podcast, and I'm serving as the dungeon master for this game. I get to tell the story and try to kill these fine four folks. So uh Never. hope you enjoy it. <laughs> Without any further ado... Let me say thank you again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy our four-part series in Tenaris. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white dragon whose rider is called Tamara, or Truth. With justice, she judges those who deviate from the path of evolution. And I saw a second dragon flying through the sky, carrying the Eternal Scroll. Bauron sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven. The dragons proclaimed, in unison, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. Hear ye, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave. Blessed are the Tenarians, for the gods' dwelling place is now among the people. There shall be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. A new now lies upon this land to guide your free will. There is only one way to meet tragedy. Massive bloodshed will be punished with magical catastrophes. Evolutionist Sacred Scriptures, Book of Maudrock, 14.5 through 12. In the land of Tenaris, in ancient times past, war and devastation ruled the land as much as its kings and queens. In such a land, it became apparent that destruction was a decimation that was not to be allowed any longer. In the great ravages of time, four ancient dragons, some who believed to be powered by the gods themselves, came down upon the land and ruled out their vicious justice slaying the common races in an effort to reshape the land and their draconic needs. These avatar dragons disappeared to legends they deemed appropriate. And in their wake, decimated kingdoms rebuilt. From this area, the Emperor emerged, a mysterious being of untold power who rose up to unify the land under his watchful gaze. As a result of the Marokian curse, when the dragons decided to judge the land, groups of armed individuals of more than five 
has been outlawed and banned, save for the Iron Hand, the Emperor's elite guardsmen and troopers. In this new land, there has been much change, and those who eke out a living in it, of different races, new and old, find themselves living a life that borders on war still. One of these cities within this land, Skybell City, is a largely appointed city on the cusp of an arena that will determine certain fates of the beings around. We find our attention drawn over the vast and rippling plains, the forests, the hills, the mountains, to the west of the capital. A road unmarked in these lands, an imperial road, we find a small train of wagons making their way towards Skybell City. The third of which, a black wooden stagecoach pulled by two skinny horses, carries a unique group of four, hoping to forge their own path. Driving the coach is an older gentleman, his bald pate being whipped down by the morning sun. There is a slight fog around the land, but it is not enough to cool it down, as you would all like. The man, an older human by the name of Therolge, turns back to his passengers. So, you're taking the trials, huh? It's pretty rare, finding adventurers such as yourselves. How do you four know each other? And our attention is drawn to the first of our four adventurers, our heroes for this journey. Rob, if you could, could you tell us what your character looks like and who he is? My character's name is Garrick Balliol. A little over six foot tall. Pretty decent build, about 200 pounds or so. His green eyes, black hair. He's decked out in reddish chainmail armor. He carries a reddish long sword, emblazoned emblems, and a shield. Looks kind of almost dragon scale in nature. Okay. How do you answer the coachman? Well, I met Kel on a adventure searching for answers about the Melrokian curse. It seems our interests had been aligned. And along the way, we met the other two here. When he speaks the name Kel, the human man points to his elven companion. Brittany, could you tell us a bit about Kalanya? Kalanya is a high elf wizard. She has brown hair that she keeps on a high ponytail on top of her head. And she's got some nicer looking traveler's clothes due to being an imperial servant. So she's got a little imperial signia that she has on her. And then she's got this nice corsety vest and a cape on her to keep her protected from the elements and everything. She's got purplish eyes. And she is fascinated by the history regarding the Melrokian curse and anything that has to do with the curse and lost magic. She's just super passionate about and interested in. Fantastic. Yeah, so you see, Garrick and I, we met a little while ago. He was in some trouble trying to understand some ancient manuscripts about the Melrokian curse. He just clearly couldn't understand anything. So I had to step in and translate it all for him kind of keep him out of trouble and now it's just better if i keep an eye on him and then we've picked up our other fine friends here in quite a contrast to the petite form that is kalanya is a large imposing figure that sits to the rear of the wagon 
Nate, if you could, tell us a little bit about your character. I'm playing Mbolo. I am a Taimaku cleric from distant lands. I stand an imposing six foot seven inches tall, black of skin and black of hair with these piercing white eyes that have a sternness to them yet belie a quiet solitude. I seek spiritual enlightenment and I look forward to bringing this enlightenment to the masses. My prayers, my spiritual guidance has led me to this place, to this city where I know the people are being downtrodden on by the empire. And I found these people basically going in the same direction and they seemed to fit into what I saw in my prayers. So I know I must be on the right path. Excellent. Bolo, you rub a six-fingered hand across your face and regard the morning sun. You feel quite balanced right now, and so therefore you are at peace. A study in contrast yet again is the fourth companion of this group, whose eyes reveal anything but solitude and calm. Colleen, if you could, could you tell us a little bit about your character? My character's name is Ravel. She is a human mad walker. She has pale skin, red hair. She's very tall. She has yellow glowing eyes, and she's kind of got a little bit of a crazy look to her. Like, she might lose it at any time. Yes, okay. The Rolge regards the four of you in the back of his wagon, and he gives you a little bit of a smile. Well, you'll definitely be welcome within Skybell City. There's all kinds of kind folk that make their way back and forth here this time. Especially with the trials coming up in three days. I wouldn't have any sort of idea about how that all would work in the arena, but it is important to maintain our safety in these times. If any sort of public outcry or struggle would commence, it would be quite disastrous indeed. Tell me, friends, how far have you come? Have any of you been to the Wasteland before? Why, yes, I have been there before with my master quite a few years ago. Oh, well, I can't believe the Wasteland's no more. (laughs) My grandfather was but a toddler in Ahimoth when the Arcana War erupted right under his nose. Now, the Empire has agreed to fight in the arena for the right to explore its ruins. Uh, It's truly a new, crazy world. Indeed. He looks back to regard you, Mbolo. Hmm. I've never seen a Taimaku before. You're a far way from the distant desert wastes, friend. Indeed I am. I've traveled far from Ubel and across the Central Sea to be here. My morning studyings of the Akete rug have led me here in visions. I've been asked to give and to bring enlightenment to the people. And if the press of thumb of the Emperor, it will be a lifelong task. <laughs> that it will. The Empire is oppressive. They take too much from us honest workers, if you ask me. You can never really know what's to expect from the world's largest beast. But I guess you're safer inside the system. They do offer a wealth of protection for everyone around. 
Without their protection, everything would run amok and there'd be a dragons attacking everywhere. That's why I plan to get rid of the dragons. Hmm. But won't that upset the balance? The world has a way of making itself balance, wouldn't you say, Mbolo? The world, and we've seen what the acts of men can do in this world when the balance is upset. I only pray that the changes we bring don't rot such change and destruction. Ravel, what are you doing during this conversation? Just picking my fingernails with my dagger. Uninterested. There are distant voices that perhaps you hear above the din of your companions bickering. Distant voices that perhaps call to you and make you want to do things that are a little bit less than savory in times like this. But you quell them for now. Up ahead of you, you all notice that there is suddenly a bit of movement coming down the road. A coach that's highly appointed, with four massive draft horses pulling it, coming in the opposite direction, away from Skybell, and making its way down the main road. The Rolge actually pulls your carriage off to the side of the road. You watch as the other two carriages ahead of your carriage in the train pull over as well, as the finally appointed carriage makes its way away from the city and disappears around a bend behind you all. Throlge's eyes narrow for a bit. I tell you, friends, more and more and more of the teams are getting to be a bit more brazen. Although they do have a say in the finer points of the land, I think perhaps some of them believe that they are more important even than the Emperor himself. <laughs> foolishness, foolishness. What teams are you speaking of? Well, Taimaku, there are teams that compete in the arenas here. They fight for glory, they fight for purpose, and sometimes they even fight to quell arguments between higher powers far beyond my ken. Hmm. You could perhaps see such a team if you were to partake in seeing the show at the arena. I've never been myself, but I've heard it is quite impressive. They even claim that the Iron Hands themselves sometimes stand down and watch in interest themselves. But I've never seen them do much more than stand around silently and be, well, quite terrifying, in fact, but... They are doing their duty and serving their purpose. He locks eyes with you for a moment and backs down from your haughty gaze. He could tell that you are a person that means business, and with this subject you will not be deterred. Thorold turns and begins to lead the cart back onto the main trail, along with the two carriages ahead of you. In a split second before it happens, Ravel, you feel a disturbance in the air. Something unnatural to the north, between your carriage and the city. Something that you recognize. Something that you thought you perhaps left behind. An entryway. How do you react to the fact that you feel a doorway to the penumbra opening? I got a little bit on edge. I haven't been there since the incident. So I'm a little bit nervous. But right now is not the time to enter that doorway. So I'm going to do my best to avoid it. But be aware of what it's going on around it. You almost unconsciously begin to hone your features in to focus on the entryway, when suddenly there is a movement off to the side, within the brush along the sides of the road, that catches your eye. 
and a split second afterward, suddenly the brush erupts into activity as four forms dart out from within. One brandishes a massive axe, and screaming with a bellow, he charges your carriage and slams directly into the side, hacking into one of the wheels. Let's have all four of you please roll initiative. Garrick got a 12. Kalanya got a 22. Ravel got a 21. Mbolo got a 16. Alrighty. As the figure slams into the side of the carriage, his massive axe leading the way and hacking through one of the wheels, the carriage shakes for a bit, and Kalanya, you see the large, imposing, hairy form of what obviously is a creature that you have encountered before in your studies. A bugbear is a goblinoid that is quite savage and terrifying to behold. This one looks a little bit more bestial than those you have read about, though. His body is covered with hair and fur, and he has a strange, mad look to his eye. It is your turn to react as you move with preternatural speed, being an elf. What do you do? Hmm. Well, I shall cast Static Bolts. Okay. And let's see if I can hit him. Oh, these stupid bugbears always coming out of nowhere. <laughs> so I just need to make a range attack spell with advantage against the target. So 18 to hit. And then I can also do my magic imbuement. Okay. You can make an intelligence arcana check. I fail the imbuement with a 15, which is okay. fine. So it just casts regularly. Okay. All right. So it takes five lightning damage, and then it'll take another d6 for each five feet that it moves. Okay. So you begin to gesture and call upon your arcane reserves. You feel your connection to the Tenarian field as you pull the magic out of its weave. You draw it forth through the air, and a static bolt of lightning streaks forth from your hand, straight towards the bugbear. And what was that attack? Uh, what did you say, 18? It was an 18 to hit. And slams into his chest. His body goes rigid, and he falls away from the wagon for a split second, before bearing his axe up to hand. You try to call upon your study of lost ancient magics to imbue the spell with greater energy. But you do not have that focus at this time. The magic does go off, and he does take how many points? Five points of lightning damage. Okay. And he does glance up towards your party in the back of the wagon. And, Kalanya, as you react, the wagon ahead of you directly, suddenly there is a streak of fire that comes out from the brush nearby, slams into its side, and with a large cacophonous BOOM, it explodes, raining shards of wood and ash down across the ground, killing the driver as well as the two horse that pull it. Oh no. It does block the road, making your immediate escape rather ineffectual. Ravel. You see the bugbear, but you are in the back of the wagon. It's covered features keeping you out of the fight for now, but what would you like to do? I'm going to jump out of the wagon. There is a door in the rear of the wagon that you can escape out of. Okay, I'm going to do that. Okay. You burst out the back of the wagon, and as you do so, you see three small forms emerge out of the brush nearby, brandishing very wicked and rather rusty-looking axes and swords. You recognize these three creatures. You and your companions have encountered goblins before. And much like the bugbear, these ones have a wild and crazed look in their eyes. As they come at you, you do react, and you take your action. What do you do? 
As I was bursting through the door, I was drawing my rapier, and I see the first one closest to me, and I stab him with the rapier. Excellent. Roll to attack, please. Okay, that would be an 18 to hit. Your rapier comes out, and with a deft, florid motion, you stab it through the center of the goblin's chest. Go and roll damage, please. That would be nine points of piercing damage. Okay. The goblin splurts out some blackish-green blood before it twitches and slides off of your rapier, falling dead to the ground. You turn and see the other two goblins, with their wicked-looking weapons, closing in towards you. I scream at them. Ah! And I think that ends my turn. <laughs> awesome. Mbolo, you are still within the back of the covered wagon. You could tell that there is definitely combat outside. You feel that things are a bit chaotic right now and quite unbalanced. What would you like to do? Well, I assess what's going on outside, and I see Ravel in combat with these creatures. So I say, you're a great fighter, Ravel. Come, let me help you. And I take just one, it's like one step for me to step out of the back of the wagon. <laughs> okay. And I've got my shield in front of me, and I pull my war hammer from its place on my back, and I approach the nearest goblin. And I step over it in one movement, find myself in front of the next one, and... I roll attack with a 17 for nine bludgeoning damage okay. as my warhammer strikes true. It does. It sings through the air. It crushes in the side of the goblin's face. Teeth and bits of bone fly off and half splatter across the front of your armor as he dies and falls to the ground. There's a short work of these guys. Anything else you want to do in your turn? I'm going to move towards the bugbear. And you turn, and with a quick, deft stride, you walk past Ravel and make your way towards the bugbear. As you approach, he turns to regard your large form approaching, and he gets a wicked grin on his face, revealing half-rotting teeth. He smiles, and he moves in to engage you. He speaks something in a guttural language you do not understand, before he swings his great axe at you. With a 17 to hit. That is a miss. A glancing blow, if you will. You bring your shield up to bear, you knock his axe away out of the side. He does stagger off balance for a moment before righting himself. He takes another swing at you, much to your surprise. And this time it is with a 16, so that will miss as well. Your warhammer comes up to knock it out of the way again. I think, Brittany, your spell goes off again because he moved five feet. Yeah, if he's moved five feet, then he takes another d6 of damage. Oh, awesome. Go ahead and roll me another 1d6, please. Yes, sir. Six. Yes. Six lightning damage. And as the bugbear is in combat with Mbolo, it actually proceeds to take additional damage as the shocking energy ravages through his body. You do see that that might be part of what's causing his attacks to fail. Thank you for that, Rob. Appreciate that. Yeah. The one goblin to the back charges towards you, Ravel. It's small, serrated short sword leading the way. It attacks you with a 14. That will miss. And as it swipes out with the short sword, you dodge back to the side out of the way, and it goes wide. It does clip off a small section of the back of the wagon, cutting through some of the fabric of its cover. There is suddenly a cackle <laughs> from off to the side in the brush. Ravel, please make a wisdom saving throw. That would be a 19. Okay. You feel something wash over your features as there is a green sickly energy that comes forth and washes over your head, but you shake it off. You can tell it was something that was trying to affect your mind, 
but you've seen more dangerous things than whatever that was. You look off to the side where the blast came from, and you do see a small goblin woman dressed in rags. She carries a gnarled-looking staff with two human skulls attached to the top of it. The eyes of the two skulls are glowing that weird sickly green color, and you can see the trails of the magic sift off of it. She apparently just casted whatever that was out of that staff. Garrick, still within the cart, what do you do? Take courage, my companions. We shall emerge victorious from this fight. And I'm going to move. And then I'm going to summon my dragon spirit, which is a free action. What does your dragon spirit look like when you summon it? My dragon spirit is going to be in a human form that has a red dragon aura. Mm -hmm. That's my chosen dragon. Summoning it inside the cart. Garrick, as you draw forth the red dragon energy that you have bonded yourself with in your quest to rid the world of the draconic presences, the red dragon energy, almost like fire lancing out of your body, emerges into a humanoid shape that appears inside the cart next to you, Kalanya. You've seen this before in the fights that you've had alongside Garrick, fighting by his side, so you know what it is. The draconic spirit takes humanoid shape and stands tall in the back of the carriage, ready to do your bidding, Garrick. Here we go again. And then I'm going to use one of my draconic powers, since my spirit is out. Mm -hmm. which is Dashing Rush, which allows me to move up to half my base movement speed, ignoring difficult terrain, and make a weapon attack. As long as I go at least 10 feet in a straight line, I get an extra 1d6 damage. So I'm going to move 15 feet straight towards the lady. Excellent. As you emerge out of the carriage and you do form your Draconic Spirit, you see the Goblin Witch off to the side, and you mark her as the first to fall to your blade. You surge forward, the Draconic Spirit binding you and giving you preternatural speed. You close the distance quicker than a blink and emerge next to her. And you attack with a... Natural 20! Yes, off to an awesome start. 25. Oh yes, that'll definitely hit. Roll the damage, please. Good golly, that was a lot of dice. Um... So that is a total of 15 points of damage. Oh my goodness. You surge forward, and there is a red flash that illuminates the edge of your sword as you slice up through her arm, severing it at the elbow. It flings and spins off into the brush nearby, and she screams, And she brings her staff across her chest, trying to protect herself from your fury. Now you do mark off that you casted one of your Draconic Powers to begin the build. That was one of your wing powers? Yes. Awesome. Yeah, cool. Having to do with speed and quickness. There is suddenly a volley of arrows that emerge from the left side of the battlefield and sprinkle down around the carriage. One of them slams into the ground right next to you, Mbolo, but does not make contact with you. Another one slams into this brush that is directly ahead of you, instantly lighting it ablaze because it is dry. This is midsummer, so brush here is a bit rough looking. It erupts into flame, causing more mischief and mayhem. The horse begins to panic and whinny, and Thorolge tries to keep it in check. He snaps the reins and pulls back. Whoa, whoa, girl! 
and the horses do not run off and panic. He has them under control for now. Kalanya, top of the round with you. What do you do? All right. Kalanya is going to make her way out of the carriage. The only way out of the carriage is through the back. Oh. She was towards the front, so I wasn't sure she could climb over. If you could, roll an intelligence check for me. I'm generally smart. Let's see. That's true. I'll give you advantage on it because you are the very studious member of the group. 17. Okay. There is a door in the back of the carriage, but it might be a bit more expedient to perhaps cut or blast a hole in the side of the fabric here and emerge out through the front. Hmm. You know, I'll do that. I'll just get my dagger and cut the fabric and climb over. There you go. Love it. I'll say that takes half your movement. Okay, so then I will climb out and down. I'm going to cast Magic Missile. Awesome. And I'm going to direct two to the guy, to the bugbear in front of me, and then I'll do one to the one that's behind Ravel. Okay. That's still standing. Yep. First one is four for the bugbear, and then another five points of damage for the bugbear. Yep. And then the third guy gets three points of damage. Okay. What color is your magic, Kalanya? We're going to go with a fun, like, purpley blue. Oh, beautiful. Love it. Smash her eyes. Yes, there is a slight flare in your eyes, Kalanya, as you draw forth the Tenarian field again, and you draw forth three magical darts out of it. They emerge through the air and go through your wand, which you point. Two of them streak forward and slam into the bugbear's back. He recoils, <laughs> as the third one splits off around him, goes straight towards Mbolo's chest, but curls around his head, and with a dart, swiftly goes back into the goblin behind to slam into its chest as well. The bugbear does not drop yet, but you can tell that that definitely was weakening to him. The goblin looks like he didn't enjoy that very much either. You're welcome. <laughs> well done, little one. Who are you calling little? Well, I'm everybody's six, seven. Every, every, I call everyone little. <laughs> right. Fair enough. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. All right, Ravel, what do you do? The guy in front of me is still standing, correct? Yes, he is. I'm going to take my rapier, and I'm going to stab him with it. Okay. Now, you do have mutations and stuff you could call upon to try to enhance your combat prowess. I don't want to go insane yet. Okay. So we're going to hold off on that. I'm just going to stab him with the rapier with the 16 to hit, and as I go to stab him, I go, ah! Screaming, it's an intimidation tactic, I guess. Okay, excellent. Yeah, you do dart forward with the rapier, and you do it in a small flourish, and you stab up into the goblin's chest. If you could, go ahead and roll that damage, please. That would be five points of piercing damage. And the goblin does fall as you rip the rapier free. You briefly consider giving in to the insanity, giving in to the chaotic nature, but you do manage to bide your time for now. Mbolo, a contrasting study in balance and perfection with the bugbear directly in front of you. What do you do? Well, I'm going to put it out of its misery. Shield in front of me, raising the war hammer high. Today is not a day for dying, only for your death. With a... 15 for 8 bludgeoning damage. Your war hammer comes down with a mighty powerful blow. It connects with the clavicle of the bugbear. It was a crushing sound as he collapses in on himself. His shoulder bent at a strange angle that definitely you could tell it's not going to be usable ever again. He does fall to a knee, and he does spit out some blood, but he is not quite dead yet. Mm. He is on the doorstep 
you do notice. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to kind of yell to the area that the arrows came from. We will not know defeat! The bugbear tries to get to his feet, and his legs give out from underneath him. He drops to both of his knees. He looks up at you, that same look of anger and frustration in his face. He's not out of this fight yet, but he's having a hard time. Garrick, the witch, gives you a wide smile. Her teeth mostly missing, the rest that do exist are quite rotten and disgusting. She takes her staff, and she stabs it down into the ground. Garrick, if you could, please make a constitution saving throw. All right. Thirteen. Thirteen. As the staff slams into the ground, there is a ripple of thunderous wave that starts at the point where she hits and ripples out towards you. You are quite a skilled and strong warrior. The power of the draconic spirit gives you strength and binds you to the ground. You are not thrown by her thunder wave as it ripples across, destroying branches and logs that litter the ground around you. How do you react? How foolish. You think a little thunder can scare a dragon? And I use my Draconic Shield power. Excellent. So I make a weapon attack. Okay, roll to hit. I got a 23 to hit. Oh, definitely. Until the end of my next turn, me or an ally within 30 feet get plus two AC bonus. I'm going to take it because I think everyone else is too far away from me. And takes max damage of 11 as I slash the mostly toothless witch with my sword. You bring the long sword up, and it slices through her throat, silencing her wicked laughter. There is an invisible shield that pulsates around you, protecting you from whatever harm she might be trying to inflict upon you. But it doesn't truly matter, because she does fall from the impact. Up ahead, there is the sound of someone crying out, Help! Please! Oh! They're killing! Oh! Oh! And you hear another voice. 43. 44. Kalanya, what do you do? I'm going to go check out that voice. <laughs> you turn to regard what's going on. The middle carriage is destroyed. Its roaring fire is still emblazoned across the center of the trail. The wagon in the front, however, is still intact, or mostly is, for it's being attacked by another creature. A goblin that's wielding two large, serrated, wicked-looking hand axes. And it is inflicting quite a bit of damage on the members of the carriage up here. It looks like the driver is up on top of the carriage trying to fend off the goblin, who looks quite mad. There is suddenly a flash of energy that streaks off from around a bend that is partially obscured by some tree line. The energy is a blue energy that matches the morning sky, and as it streaks forward, it spirals through, takes the coachman in the chest. He flies back off of the top of the carriage and slams onto his back on the ground. He does not move again. The goblin, with a laugh, rushes off around the bend. What do you wish to do? I'm going to go run around that bend. Okay. You search for it. You do a double move and you run up past the burning carriage. It's black smoke billowing out. You get up to the front carriage and you can see that it goes around a bend up here. And there is a strange ripple just around the bend. And past the ripple, almost like a curtain being pulled, there is something beyond. A strange area that almost looks like a continuation of the road ahead, but it's wrong somehow. Can you please make a Knowledge Arcana check? I was just going to ask if I could do mm -hmm. that. Oh, natural 20. 27. Okay. Ooh. Yep. 
With your studies, you have never seen this before, but you can tell that it does match the descriptions of several tomes that you've looked at before. This is a doorway to the penumbra. Oh, oh, oh. I do not want to go there. <laughs> and you do know with a roll that high that the penumbra is a dark shadow realm that exists beyond the mortal plane. It is definitely a dangerous area that many are not insane enough to traverse. I will yell as loudly as I possibly can in hopes that I'll be heard. Ravel! We've got a problem! Ravel, in the back, near the dead goblins, near your carriage, you hear her yelling, but you know what she's yelling about before she tells it, because you can feel its openness. The entryway calls to you in a way that is rather unnatural, in a way that you cannot explain to your allies. I'm going to run and double move to where Cal is at. You do. You run over to where she is, and you see it beckoning to you. When you look through, it doesn't look quite the same as what she saw. You see the penumbra for what it really is. You've been there before. You know this is a doorway. Powerful magics create the doorways to the penumbra. This isn't something that just anyone can do. Whoever came and attacked this caravan is definitely someone skilled in the use of magic. Perhaps someone that's beyond the four of you to combat. What are they after? Good question. Mbolo, you're still near the bugbear as he tries to get to his feet again. What do mm, you do? Enough of this. Then I set my shield down and take my warhammer into both hands okay. and bring it down upon him. You take the warhammer into both hands, perfectly balanced, and you bring it down on the bugbear. He snarls as it approaches. The fight is still within him. But you do end the fight in the way that you know best. What do you guys all do? Ravel, can you close this? We can't leave this open like this. Kevin, do I have the ability to close things like that? The Mad Walkers have the ability to travel into and out of the Penumbra. You typically find portals. This is not one that naturally exists. Someone opened this, which is quite powerful magic indeed. Mostly, the Mad Walkers, as they go back and forth from the Penumbra, they do so by finding ones that already exist, because it's rather dangerous and unstable to open an entryway into the Penumbra. So you don't have the capability... No, I can't close that. I just know how to track them. Is there any way you can tell who may have opened it? I have no way of knowing. I just know they're far more powerful than you or I. Then it's probably best that we don't stick around. I'm checking on the driver to make sure that he's okay. I see. Okay. He looks a little bit shaken, but he looks to you. Ah, I knew you adventurers were tough and sturdy, but... I had no idea it'd be like that. I uh, I owe you a bit of thanks, friend. If you had not been here to fight off those foul creatures, I would have been fallen just like the others. Seems luck is with me today. He's got very intense sweat that's running down in front of his face as he maintains the horses. This is not a problem. I go up to the horses and adjust their reins and how they're attached to the wagon. Your survival is good for the balance against the deaths we have wrought this day. Tell me, any idea why we would be attacked? Well, I don't know why we would be attacked. Uh, 
I don't know for sure, but I do know that several years ago, when the Empire first decided that it would be allowed for the common teams to combat against them, to perhaps have right to seek out into the wasteland, that there was another team that was assassinated. A strange explosion as they took refuge before one of the great arena fights. I dare hope this is not the same. If there are people that are eliminating the teams, then this could bode quite disastrous. And he looks to the sky, almost as if looking for a dragon to appear. We are not a team. He looks up towards your two female companions standing near the Penumbra Gate. Perhaps not yet, he says. I'll come back to the group. As the four of you start to coalesce and come back together, you do hear the sounds of someone approaching from the city side of the road, approaching the caravan. And you look up to see that there are what could best be described as an Iron Hand platoon. Roughly two dozen men and women that are clad in the ironclad armor. You can tell these soldiers are lower-ranking members of the Iron Hand. They are easily identified by the trapezoid that's under the Iron Hand symbol blazon that they wear. Hmm. You're up, Cal. Deal with them. And as they approach, there is a man who comes pushing through them with purpose rather than with haste. And he comes forward to see what's going on. What has happened here? He says, looking around. He's a human, really tall, who has chestnut-colored brown hair, very short. He has very finely appointed robes, and he does have a very fanciful styled morning star that hangs on his side. I would say, Kalanya, that you have seen this man before, in the very least in reputation, if you haven't seen him physically. This man is Taram who is a very famous hero of the arena, who now works with the Iron Hand, with the Emperor in conjunction, to help safeguard the area near the capital. The fact that he is here means that this is quite a impressive meeting, to be sure. You, are you Taram? I am indeed. I have heard great tales about you, Taram. I am Kalanya. I am an Imperial servant. And we were just passing through here when we were attacked. We saw that penumbral plane that has opened up over there. He turns to regard it. Yes, I noticed it as well. It would seem this is rather fortunate that your wagon stopped before you inadvertently traveled into it. This gate, he says, moving forward, and he gestures with his hands. There is a slight movement in the air, and motes of white light dance across his fingertips and then across his eyes as he regards the plane gate. Yes, this is quite chaotic indeed. If you were to have traversed within here, you might have been in great peril. Luckily, the Iron Hand is here to be sure that you can gain safe passage to the city. He looks past you to where the carnage is. Mm -hmm. Although perhaps it would be more prudent if we were to take a more expedient path to Skybell City to ensure that you are rather safe. It looks as though you were attacked, if I am not mistaken. It does seem that way, though we are not sure why. It is rather vexing. If you would humor me, I could perhaps give the four of you safe passage to the city proper, so that you may be able to feel a better welcome than this. Yes, that'd be quite lovely. Thank you. He gives you a very sagacious nod. The four of you are together, then, he says, looking to all of you. 
Oh, yes. These are my friends. Please come introduce yourselves. I'm Garrick Baliel. I would hope that this safe passage includes a first round on you. He gives you a wide smile, and then he gives you a very deep bow. I do not engage in the imbibement of beverages, but I understand that those who do may find such a respite within Skybell City. There are a great many taverns and inns that produce such fine refreshments. Perfect. I'll speak to him without looking at him. Okay. I'm actually going to be using my uh, extended vision monocle. Okay. Bring it up to my eye. It doubles my normal vision. Absolutely. And look in the direction where the arrows were coming, just to see what's there, if I can determine if anything's still there. Absolutely, yeah. You bring up a small contraption that is known to be made by your people, fine engineers and craftsmen. You look off in that direction. If you could, please make a perception check with advantage. Well, uh, I rolled a 10. Okay. You look off in that direction, you can see that there are no figures that are hidden from where the flaming arrows came from, but what you do notice is that the ground is quite stirred up over here. It looks like something was crouched or perhaps hiding over here, firing at you, which is something you would assume. But something you do note is that the tracks do not appear to be made by a humanoid figure. They seem to be made by some sort of beast-type creature. Hmm. You're not entirely sure other than that. Maybe if you move closer and investigate, you might be able to figure it out. Okay. My fate is now bound with my friends, and I will join you momentarily and just kind of head out and investigate a little more. Okay. He gives you a bow as well, regarding you. Of course, friend, Taimaku. Do whatever it is you deem appropriate. He looks to you, Ravel, and his eyes do get a bit of a suspicious glaze to them. But then he smiles as well. You are welcome here, lady. Is there anything perhaps you could tell me about this entryway? I can tell you whoever opened it is incredibly powerful. I just narrow my eyes and stare at him after that. Glowing yellow, creepy eyes. He regards you for a moment before he turns to the Iron Hand soldiers. See to it that this area is secure. We want to make sure that no other travelers fall such a fate as this. You there, good sir, he calls to Thrulge. We would have you accompany us to make sure that you are safely regarded to the city. You'll be recompensed for any sort of damage that might have happened to your cart. I see the front was cut and torn during the battle, and for that we will make sure it is repaired. Thank you for doing your part to keep these four safe. Mithral just looks to the four of you and looks back to him and sheepishly smiles. Mbolo, you go over to where the archer would have stood, and you see that the ground is a little bit churned up. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and make a investigation check, please. These are not my strong points. But this day I investigate with stronger purpose. 18. And what I love is you have two 18s. That's rather balanced to me. That is. <laughs> <laughs> you crouch down to regard the sand. You're from the desert, and so you know sand and what certain tracks within it would look like. And as you look within the sand, you pull up a handful of it and you regard it. You roll it through your coarse fingers and you feel it and you look back down to it again. And you can tell that the tracks here were made by a rather large insectoid shape. Hmm. Had you not seen tracks like this before, you would perhaps even think it was a giant insect. 
But you know these to be tracks of one of the common races here in the world to one of the gloom folk, which, as you know, are centauric scorpion people that reside in the deserts as well. You're sometime allies and enemies all the same. The gloom folk are rather secretive and rather reclusive. And you know that if they do strike, they do typically strike from cover and from shadow. So this would perhaps fit the theory that you're forming. Okay, I'll return to the group with that knowledge. Gloom folk. All of you have heard of gloom folk. They're a common race here. They are humanoid figures that have the top half of a human or elven looking person. And the lower half of their body is a giant scorpion body. And they reside in the desert wastes. You might have different opinions about them based upon whatever you deem to be appropriate with your interactions with them. Taram seems to overhear you, even from the distance, Mbolo. And he says, interesting. Well then, if we could, perhaps we should be on our way. Get you safely to the city. The four of you would accompany me, he says. And it's more of a question than a command. Okay. Gladly. Begrudgingly. <laughs> oh, hush you. You see that Taram turns, and as the four of you fall in behind him, he makes a straight path towards the penumbral gate, the entryway into the penumbra, as if that is what his intention is, to have the four of you follow him into the penumbra itself. What? Ravel, how do you feel about this? Definitely not my first time going into the penumbra. Just my first time in a little while. Mm-hmm. A little uneasy, but more confident than my companions. Absolutely. And do the four of you follow him, or no? He stands at the edge of the entryway, looking at you beckoningly with his eyes. I'll follow. Okay. Wait a minute. Didn't you just say we're not supposed to go through the penumbra? The penumbra can be used as a shortcut. It doesn't follow the same laws of physics that our world does, so what might take us days or hours to get to where we're going could just take us minutes. She speaks true, Taram says, and I have traversed it before. You'll be quite safe within my presence. Do not worry. Are you a mad walker? (laughs) I am not. I have dealt with the mad walkers before, however and I account some of them as reluctant allies. What's your thoughts on Mad Walkers and your reluctant allies with them? He pauses for a moment, as if trying to consider the right thing to say. And then he says, I find everyone to have their own purpose in this world. Who am I to question it? Hmm. Mbola likes that. Shall we? He says, motioning towards the penumbral gate. I'll trust you, Ravel. He is a trusted hero. We should be safe following him. Yeah, working for the Imperial. What was that? I look at Garrick and say, Dread from it, run from it. Destiny still arrives. And with that, the four of you, together, as a team, step into the penumbral gate. Following Taram Helmsville, the human cleric and battle champion of the arena, into a new and dangerous world. 
as you step through the gateway, almost through a sort of strange coincidence, you hope, the penumbral gate seals behind the five of you, and you turn to regard the new and dangerous shadowy land. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Game Night Heroes. The journey continues another time. This was Tenaris, Episode 1, A Team Assembles. Tenaris appears in partnership with Dragori Games, a new leader in tabletop gaming. Please find more information about Tenaris and their additional games at dragorigames.com to learn about Tenaris their miniatures game, Arena, and to download samples of the setting book, Player's Guide, an adventure in the realm of madness. You can also late back their Kickstarter of Tenetis and join the march to war. Please take a moment to subscribe to the Game Night Heroes or give us a review. It helps new listeners find us and take the journey along with you and with us. We can be found on all social media at Game Night Heroes and at GameNightHeroes.com. You can follow us for updates and for new information. And feel free to message us. We'd love to hear from you, and we engage with all of our fans. The Game Night Heroes podcast is hosted and game mastered by Kevin Stacy. Garrick the Dragonblade was played by Rob Alexander. Bolo the Cleric was played by Nate Mezzle. Kalanya the Wizard was played by Brittany Stone. Ravel the Madwalker was played by Colleen Alexander. Logo design and podcast cover art was created by Josh Kay. Music featured in this episode was contributed by various artists and was found on Pixabay. This was a presentation of the Game Night Heroes. Until next time, keep dreaming your impossible dream. Six um, foot isn't nothing. I know, right? <laughs> <Just> runt. <laughs> At least I don't hit my head on doors. I'm oh, is that, why it's, <laughs> is that why my forehead looks like that? <laughs> right. Join the adventure in Tanaris from Dragory Games, creators of the award-winning Arena Miniatures Battle Game. Tanaris is a high fantasy campaign setting for the world's greatest role-playing game. Join the thousands that have dared answer the call to battle. Tanaris powers your Dungeons and Dragons games, including new species, four new classes, spells, magical items, archetypes for each of the original classes, and much, much more. So come, forge your team, and march into war. Find Tenaris on all social media at Dragory Games and at dragorygames.com.